to D Hall and Dragons, a real play D&D podcast about a group of high school students who get sucked into a world of fantasy and magic and have to set out on a quest to find their way home, but not before they find themselves along the way. My name is Riley Wesson. I'm this campaign's dungeon master, and I'm joined by my friends, my players, and my shopaholics. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How are we doing today? Well, not great. I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking, Riley. I'm I'm so glad to hear that, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing that's that really makes well. me that really warms my heart. Yeah, I'm here. I'm queer. The, I'm ready to die anytime. What's the <laughs> what's the phrase? Is it warming the cuckold the, the cuckolds yeah. of your heart? The cuckolds. The cockles. Cockles. Not the cuckolds of my heart. Cuckold is very different. The tiny cuckold residing oh, in my two heart. Two dudes in the corner, like like peering out of a window, like, hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm real warm mm. right now. It's a fire going on in here. We've gone from druid kinkery to full cuckold. <laughs> five minutes flat. It's a new record. We are setting the tone, and I love this. <laughs> uh, hi, uh, well, I'm, I'm Brandon Lindsay, and I play Cecil McNamara. And um, Andy and I just watched a video that I, that I, th- <gasps> I felt was really inspiring, so I have <laughs> so to ask good. a question. <laughs> Shout out Eddie Burback. The Margaritaville video? Margaritaville yes! video. I yes. literally just, just finished watched. watching that. Oh my god! Yeah, he visits every Margaritaville in the United States and Canada. Takes him 24 days. So anyway, if your character had all expenses paid and could visit every chain of one restaurant, what would it be? Okay, okay. I'm so ready. I think Cecil would unironically want to try every Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Just That's a good, a good old answer. Boy. He's just a good old boy, but not that kind of good old. He's boy. not that kind of good no. old boy. But yeah, I mean, he would go every like Sunday with his family. It was one. It was one of those things where it was like maybe not every Sunday, but it was like a special treat after church or before church or if, if family was in town, and they'd go like, "All right, we're going out to Cracker Barrel." And so yeah, I think he just like thought it was kind of cool. And yeah, if he had the ability to travel and visit every single Cracker Barrel in the United States, he probably would. That sounds like a journey. Yeah, it would be a journey. I feel like I could do that, though, like in real life. Like, I feel like I could do that. It, I, I don't know if I could do it in like 30 days. It, I'd stretch mm-hmm. it out over like a couple months. Well, there's so many Cracker Barrels. There are. That's true. There are exponentially more Cracker Barrels than there are Margaritavilles. All right. Who's next? Yeah. Have fun I'm with that. To see. It's only in Texas. That's okay. It's a short trip. <laughs> yeah, cool. a short trip. Cool. My name is Daniel Grisco, and I play Brian Tolkien. Um, if Brian had all the money in the world, um, he would want to go to every medieval times. Yes. Ooh, you oh, my God. Betcha. That's a good one. Very good. How many, how many medieval? Should we do that? Can there's, we do that? There's Can nine. We? There's nine in the United <gasps> States, and then there's that's, one in that's Toronto. Easy. Let's that's do it. So oh, my doable. God. Let's go. That's brilliant. There's one in Toronto, Holy Canada. Shit. Wow, that's a really good answer. Wow. Brian's never been outside of Texas, so wow. has he been um, to a medieval times? No, no, he's never been to a medieval times. He wanted to go once when he was a kid for a birthday party, but we know how Brian's birthdays went. Mm. Um, so was it his it birthday just... party, or was it like a friend's birthday party that he was invited to that he was like he like couldn't go to? It was his birthday party, and it was actually it was a year. So Brian had these two best friends. And he was it was his 10th birthday in fifth grade. And it was the year that his parents told him that they could have like a birthday dinner, like they could go out to dinner with Brian's two friends, um, because usually it was other like 
you know, the guest list is is hard to come by in yeah. this household. Um, so it was it was maybe going to be that, and then Brian picked Medieval Times. And when Brian's mom went to go research the menu at Medieval Times and like how expensive it was, it started a whole fight between his parents, and they ended up just not going out to dinner for Brian's birthday, and so they they didn't end up doing anything. That Shut year. the fuck up! They always get so sad. <laughs> they are like surprisingly expensive though like if the medieval time oh, yeah. experience is one of those Absolutely. things that you're like i remember i remember like myself <laughs> as a kid looking at those outings and being like yeah you go and watch people joust but you get a cardboard crown like how's how, <laughs> how pricey can it be and it is surprisingly expensive. oh you want my firstborn okay <laughs> <laughs> i can only give you my left arm for this one yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah. Wow. So that's wow. that's what Brian would do. Okay. Well, I'm gonna try to recover from that. Hi, my name is Andy Lindsay. I'm the voice of Victoria Hightower. It is not a national chain. It is specific to Texas, but this makes a lot of sense. So, um, V's mom. We'll see. V's I know exactly mom what you're gonna say. Was actually raised in Texas because that's where her dad. They lived on a ranch. Her granddad like has like been a ranch hand has helped other people with their ranches and he is a diehard tequila fan like it's it's his life dream and on his bucket list to go to like an authentic agave farm and try you know do like flights of tequila that sort of thing so growing up when v and her mom would visit paps they would go to a papacito's Oh, yeah. and so he would always get like some sort of special margarita, some sort, you know. And V was always so jealous because they always looked so good, and Paps always made him look like just sound so delicious. And so if she could visit every Papacitos, she'd take her granddad, obviously, and she'd wait until she was 21 and they would make like a big like road trip of it and everything. And she'd try as many margaritas as she possibly could. That's so <laughs> That's cool. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, Honestly, Papacitos slaps. Yeah, yeah it's a vibe. It does. It's a really yeah, good vibe. That's very good. Um, and my name is Riley Wesson. I'm this campaign's dungeon master. And... Um, See, what I thought you were going to say, Andy, uh, was the magic time machine. What? You guys don't know what the magic time machine is? No. Oh, oh my, God. my God. I have also never heard of the magic time machine. And I want you to know that as Andy was thinking of a restaurant to say, Riley messaged me on the side in the chat and just said magic time machine. And I was so afraid it was a secret DM thing. I was so scared. That's amazing. I was so so afraid, Riley. I'm so glad this is a restaurant. I, I messaged you and Brandon because I was trying to call yeah. my shot because I thought she was no. going to say the magic time machine because there's only two of them. I mean, that's a good take. There's only two of them? Yeah. There's only two of them. There's one in Dallas and one in San Antonio. What is it? It's just like a weird, weird. themed this restaurant where like all weird. the- all the waiters and waitresses are in like just random costumes where they're like they're pirates or they're cowboys or they're like future robot people because you're in like a time machine. So there's all kinds of stuff around you. I sent you all a link. Uh, I remember going to one, I think once, I think we went to the one in San Antonio <laughs> when I was like seven. Um, but just remember it being like this this mysterious, magical experience. Um, and it's, it wouldn't be much of a road trip because it would just be a drive from San Antonio to Dallas. But so that's fine. 
That's all I can think of at this moment. This woman with this eye patch. But this website is so outdated. It's so old. <laughs> it's, it's like if Kingsters could have access to Chuck E. Cheese again. Like, there's no... <laughs> Wait, I want to go see like what the found who, who who the founder was. Give me a tour. Just a second. Uh, we are more than just jokes at the Magic Time Machine. Our menu offers something for everyone: slow roasted prime rib, hand cut fresh salmon, chicken, pork, and fresh seafood dishes. You can even order our specialty of the house: the Roman orgy. I knew it. It's actually, did not just know that. a sex party. No, it's not there. This is just a, a sex conglomerate party. roast feast with fresh fruit, vegetables, and other fare brought out with great fanfare and song. That girl was in a Princess Belle costume and. Every- Everyone else is a pirate, and I just <laughs> this, look at her. Listen, look at her. Look at the picture. No, Are look you? at the picture. Look at the picture I just sent you. It's literally a slutty Alice in Wonderland with Jack Sparrow wrapping his arm around her and Indiana Jones in a Snow White. It, <laughs> it, there, there, there's a very good chance that in the time that has passed from my uh-huh. childhood, it has just become like a kind of like a slightly I, sex restaurant. Listen, all I'm saying is, tell me you're polyamorous without telling me you're polyamorous. Everyone here is dressed as a fucking pirate. Employment. <laughs> it says, "Are you crazy? If you have heard this before, you might fit." Right in with our cast of zany characters. Oh no! Oh, this is terrible. But yeah, so I would I would take a a one day road trip from San Antonio to Dallas to go to the two weird sex restaurants. Riley, uh, and just Riley, hang out. the next time you're in Texas, yeah, we have to. <laughs> we're going. We have to. Wait, there are children. There are. There's a. There's a. There's a child. They don't look happy. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Last session on D Hall and Dragons, the students each had some strange dreams in the night. Victoria getting trampled by horses, Brian flying high in the sky, and Cecil falling deep into the earth. When they woke up, they then set out on various errands throughout the town of Bummerfield, stopping at Walter's Wonders for some souped-up items and spell scrolls, clear as crystal and BF drugs for various components, <laughs> bum goods for some adventuring supplies, and even needle and fabric for a glow-up makeover for Victoria. As they were out and about, they discovered various things, including some information from the Journal of the Wondering One by utilizing some creative cantrip usage, catching the DM very off guard in the best way, and rumor of an entity known as the Hoarder descending from the astral plane for a -a once-in-a-century auction of rare artifacts taking place near the skies of Flutterfield. Just as they were deciding their next move and about to head out of town, Victoria noticed a lightness in her pack and discovered that the counselor's laptop had been stolen by a hooded figure. They gave chase and caught up with them, and at the bridge they gave chase and caught up with them at the bridge over the river flowing through town, backed by two more hooded entities, holding the laptop aloft and claiming that the counselor would be needing it. And that's where we are now. Everybody roll initiative. Yes! Awesome. I don't want to though. No, I don't want to. Sorry. Okay, 16. 9. 11. So there's the one holding the laptop, and then there are two others. Yes. We are pursuing them. We're on one side of the bridge, and they're on the other? Yes. Okay. It is midday, so there's a lot of people kind of going back and forth across the bridge right now. Uh, You did scare a few people off because you pulled out your shotgun. (laughs) Um, But uh, but yeah, there's still quite a lot of foot traffic going on, but you are currently, yeah, you're kind of like on two sides of the bridge at the moment. Great. The bridge spans probably about 30 feet, uh, and it's probably about 20 feet wide. You see, though, everyone make me a history check. 
Do we know this fellow? That is a 27 for Cecil. 27, yeah. 18? It's an 11. <laughs> Brutal. Which, once you know what my fucking bonus is on history checks, is really depressing, considering what showed up <laughs> on the dice. <laughs> Brian's catching his breath after after yeah. running quite a bit through the streets. But Cecil and uh, Victoria, you, you as well, notice this, and you can pass this on to Brian. But as they take off their hoods, you see that these are people that you've seen in the hallways at school. Oh, shit. What? These appear to be people that you've gone to school with. What? Shit. You are like, oh, I think I might have had a class with that person like sophomore year. Shit. But you see that their eyes are like slightly purple and seem like kind of tinted. So uh, the one holding the laptop says... Brad, make sure you've got the uh, materials. Make sure you're you got you got to stay careful with all that kind of stuff. And the, he's talking to the guy next to him, and this guy Brad goes, "Dude, fuck that! I've got all this power. Like, I'm gonna fucking go all out." And you see, Brad takes like this pendant that's around his neck, and he crushes it. And as he does, this purple mist swirls around him, and he grows like four feet. And gets fucking jacked. That's too many feet, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so now, like, at this point, Brad is like 10 feet tall. And you you guys can tell this is probably one of the guys that like played football at y'all's school. Yeah. But as he grows, his belt, like, it it's not able to keep up with him, so it snaps. And he you see that there are three vials around his belt, and they all fall to the ground. And as it does, these three like sizzling black purple red oozes all seep out onto the pavement and as they fall they spread out and they (laughs) lash out at people that are walking nearby and they wrap around them they are like constrained by these oozes uh and as you guys look closely actually falsum wendy and fabric are all gripped by these oozes. They appeared to have been walking out and about uh, on the streets and were Wendla, no. grabbed by these things. Uh, she says, it's Will! <laughs> she starts to correct you, but then an ooze covers her mouth. And um, Brad is going to uh, attack. Um, we're about 30 feet away because we're on the other side of the bridge. Yeah, he can run. I mean, he's got movement. But he can't hide because he's... 10 feet tall. <laughs> he grabs like a uh, <laughs> he grabs like a lacrosse stick off of his back um, and runs over with it and he is going to um, everybody roll me a d4. Oh boy. Four. Two. Three. Alright, he's gonna go for Cecil. Try me, bitch. He reels back this lacrosse stick and he goes to swing. He misses with his first attack. He will take another attack. That is a uh, 24. So, Cecil, you are going to take... Actually, I'm going to use a reaction. Oh, okay. I'm going to counterpoint, so he has disadvantage on that attack roll. Oh, shit. He's going to swing, and you guys see the little mechanical quill V got from Walter springs to life. And how exactly does this counterpoint work? You see it turn from the pen into the quill, and she pulls it from behind her ear and literally throws it and it just is going to swipe across him and kind of confuse him and 
create that disadvantage. Cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, V is going to be using uh, one of her new abilities from her new bard subclass, Yay. College of Wordsmiths. A uh, little homebrew class that we worked together to create for uh, V's new <laughs> change in her character. So yeah. he's going to roll again. And that is only an 11. Hey! So your first counterpoint was successful. <laughs> But you feel as he swings it, the wind like whoosh by. Whatever he has done has made him significantly more powerful. Everyone make me an insight check as he's attacking. Uh, that's another 27. <laughs> Jesus. 10. 10. Okay, Cecil, you notice this. You see that he's got almost this kind of like crazed look on his eye and his breathing is a little bit ragged. And it looks like whatever this transformation did has like taken some extra energy from him. With that, Victoria, we are up to your turn. So V's gonna cast Polymorph on herself, and she turns into a giant owl. Ooh. So that quill flies back to her, and she like almost almost shaking ink off of a pen. Mm-hmm. This like spectral ink blots, and she transforms into an owl. Amazing. You transform into this uh, giant owl and take to the sky. She is going to go for the guy holding the laptop aloft. And rather than go for the laptop, she's actually going for the guy himself. Okay. She would like to grapple and fly the extra 30 feet up. Okay. Uh, I need you to make me a uh, athletics check to okay. try and grapple this man. Is that the owl's strength? Yes, the owl's strength. Uh, Four. All right, uh, he rolled a 10. He manages to throw his cloak up, but you still have 30 feet of movement if there's anything else you'd like to do. Okay, then she's going to fly up just about 10 feet above him so that he he can't reach her, and that's it for now. Cool. That is the end of Victoria's turn, uh, flapping above uh, this kerfuffle at the moment. Uh, and you all see the oozes that are latched on to your friends at the moment. Uh, start to pulse and constrict, and they are going to use their life drain as they are grappled by the ooze. Each one of your friends will have to make constitution saving throws or take 3d6 necrotic damage on a fail save and half as much uh, on a successful one. So, Falsam's going to make a save. Falsam fails. Wendy passes. And Fabric is also going to fail. Each of them are drained, and you see like a little bit of color leave their face uh, as these these icker oozes suck away their life force. Get sucked. Let's see. Falsum and Fabric take uh, 13 damage, and Wendy takes 6. At the moment, Falsum doesn't look terrible from this, uh, but you gather that he's probably a little bit more hardy, uh, but Fabric and Wendy are not looking great. But... Each of them will try and make a uh, strength save to try and break the grapple. Falsum's going to roll. That's only a six. Uh, Wendy will roll. That's only a seven. And Fabric will roll. That is a 15. Uh, Fabric will be able to break free. And he is kind of catching his breath, but it looks like he is sort of busy dealing with this ooze. But that will bring us up to Brian. I'm going to cast command. Okay. And uh, save Flea. Flea. All right. That is a charisma saving throw? Wisdom. Wisdom. Okay. Oh, even better. Yeah, this Come guy's on. not probably, this dumb guy's dumb probably not. Yeah. Dumb, dumb boy. It's a 15? That's the DC. No! Oh. All right. He breaks through it. 
uh, your words appear to not have any effect on him. Rude. <laughs> That's offensive in a lot of levels. Okay, I'm going to try and toss a healing potion to uh, Wenceslas <laughs> and see if she can catch it. Incredible. Okay, make me uh, make me an athletics check. Okay, it's a two. Uh, yeah, you toss a healing potion and it clatters to the ground. I'll grab it later. That brings us to the Allured. The one that is not holding the laptop uh, looks at the one that is. Chester, what are we? What are we supposed to do? He goes, well, keep him, keep him busy. I gotta get out of here with this thing. He goes, okay, okay. Uh, he's going to pull out uh, a crossbow from underneath his cloak. He's gonna look up and he's gonna take a shot at Victoria. Yep. No. That is a fifteen. That hits. All right. You take ten piercing damage <laughs> and one necrotic damage. I'm still an owl. <laughs> he is going to take a second shot. <laughs> Damn it. Before that, uh, make me a concentration check. Okay. That's 17. Okay. Uh, the second attack will hit. You take an additional seven piercing damage and five necrotic damage. <laughs> she drops out of owl form. Uh, she's 10 feet in the air. Yep. You take uh, two falling damage as you okay. fall to the ground. I fall on top of the guy with the laptop because that's exactly who I was over. Uh, yeah, you do. So he would also take fall damage. He wouldn't take fall damage. He would just fall prone. Fine. Yeah, you fall on top of this guy. And he goes, Ow! Get, get, get off! Uh, and he pushes you off, so he will use uh, half of his movement to stand. Uh, and then he also, you see, has a pendant around his neck that was similar to Brad's. Um, but he doesn't crush it. He holds it, and it starts to glow purple. And he disappears. And he uh, goes somewhere. I, t- I told you this is exactly what would happen. I knew this is exactly what he would do. Cecil, that's your turn. Uh, okay. First thing first, I'm the realist. Second off. So true. Um, yeah, I'm going to do something that's going to save the day right now. Uh, it's it's going to fix all of our problems. Um, what a guy. I am going to use a bonus action to summon a spirit totem right next to Victoria. As you fall to the ground right next to you, a horn begins emerging from the cobblestone as a unicorn pulls itself out of the ground. (laughs) She would cry if she wasn't so pissed. Yeah. (laughs) So we all have an advantage on ability checks made to detect creatures in the spirit's aura, which is 30 feet around us. So that's my bonus action. Nice. As an action, uh, I am going to oof. I cast second level oof. (laughs) (laughs) Target three creatures with my oof spell. Yeah, I'm just gonna reach into my khaki bag of tricks, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull something. Watch you pull a duck. <laughs> That'd be so useful right now. <laughs> uh, a regular sized gumbo comes out to play. Yep. Um, gumbo the bear <laughs> uh, comes out. Uh, gumbo is going to just start tangling with Brad, and they're both okay. ten feet tall, so it's a wrestling match. Uh, cool. Uh, Gumbo's just gonna start. He's gonna go the ahead. Fucking take- guy fighting a bear. Yeah. The people on your side of the bridge think that this is like a stunt show or something like that that's happening on the middle of the bridge. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, whoa. All right, two attacks. Bear wrestling. 24 to hit. Dude, three kids and a bear makes a return. You <laughs> bet your ass. 24 does hit. Claws. That's a 25 to hit. Oh, yeah, that'll definitely hit. First attack is going to do 10 points of piercing damage. All right. Second attack with the claws, 11 points of slashing damage. Uh, I am going to use Renee's tactics. And I'm going to shout out to Victoria across the bridge. And I'm going to say, find that fucker. 
and I'm going to give Victoria advantage on their next attack or ability check. Great. And uh, then I'm just going to be like, all right, Tango Gumbo, get him. <laughs> Kick his ass. And that's going to be the end of my Tango turn. Gumbo. Cool. Um, Tango, Tango Gumbo. Gumbo. All right. Uh, in that case, that's going to come back up to Brad's turn. And uh, with this bear in front of him, he's going to go after it. So he's going to make his first attack. 23 to hit. That does hit. And a 14. Uh, 14 does hit. Okay. He swings with his huge lacrosse stick. Uh, that is 15 bludgeoning damage and 30 force damage. All right. He reels back and just knocks Gumbo in the stomach with his lacrosse stick and then just brings it straight up to his head. And you hear like this, this like resounding thud of force uh, behind each of these swings. Is Gumbo still standing? Gumbo's still standing. Damn. Hey, man, I've got Mighty Summoner at this point. All my things that I summon are beefy as hell. Fair enough. That is the end of Brad's turn, and that is going to bring us to Victoria. I'm going to roll a perception check with advantage. Great. 24. 24. All right. You see about 15 feet away kind of a jostling in the crowd, uh, and from this unicorn's aura, you see a faint outline, the kind of like a what 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 color would you say it would be outlined, Cecil? Um, a bright pink. Yeah, you see like a like a bright pink kind of fuzzy outline of this uh, this shorter uh, hooded figure. Okay, she's going to attempt to grapple him. Cool. Actually, she's going to attempt to grapple the laptop. Okay, make me uh, an athletics check. <laughs> <laughs> You can use another reaction at the beginning of your next turn, correct? Yeah. So um, I rolled a natural one, but instead I'm going to use paradox and turn that into a natural 20. Jesus. So that's going to be a 24 uh, strength check. Oh, what my a God. Badass. Yeah. Slips and goofs on like a puddle <laughs> yep. of like and remnant it, ooze and, and then just the like right does a backflip. Of- yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like you're running, you start to trip. And then, like, your quill flashes and, like, a tiny bit of ink drips from it and makes, like, a puddle. And you slip in it and your leg kicks up and it just happens to kick the laptop out of his hand. Yes! It flips in the air and you grab it. Amazing. It's, like, one of those moments where you're just, like, what the fuck happened? Did anybody just see that? You know? <laughs> yeah. And Chester's, like, well, and he's invisible still, but he's, huh, huh. You see this faint aura, like, huh? She literally grabs it and then all she's going to do is turn her back to him. So that she's got the laptop right here. Okay. So that it, that he'd have to reach around her to grab it. Okay. okay. And she's going to scream bloody murder. <laughs> Stranger danger! Uh, give me a performance check. Uh, performance. <laughs> oh, that's good. 21. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, you scream this. You get a lot of people's attention. Uh, they're not quite sure what you're screaming about because they can't see this invisible person. Yep. But they are like all eyes are on you and they're like, what? what's going on? There's a woman screaming over here. There's a guy fighting a bear over there. What's going on on this bridge today? Um, speaking of what's going on on this bridge, uh, we are now at the Icker Oozes. Uh, all of your friends are going to make constitution checks. Falsum rolls a 12, which is exactly what he needed. So he will only take half, and Wendy rolls a 19. So she will only take half as well. Um, they are still grappled. Fabric is no longer grappled. Both Wendy and Falson will take five necrotic damage. Uh, Wendy definitely not looking great at this point. 
Uh, Falsum still looking okay. And they will both make grapple checks to try and break out of this. Falsum will fail. Wendy passes. Thankfully, manages to break out. Um, and Fabric is off to the side still. He, he has, like, a pair of scissors, and he's, like, using them in some kind of, like, performative Edward combat. Edward hands. Yeah, like... kind of Edward scissor hands. Yeah. Kind of snipping at this thing. That brings us to Brian's turn. Just for the record, there's still a healing potion at Wenceslas's feet. That is true. <laughs> she doesn't know it's there because you called out somebody else's name, so she didn't realize you were she were throwing it to her. Yeah. Okay. Seeing Victoria, like, in the middle of this crowd, just screaming bloody murder, trying to get away from Stranger Danger. I'm going to cast Phantom Steed, and uh, a horse appears by her side, full with, like, saddle, bit, bridle. Absolutely ready to take the fuck off whenever she's ready. Can it it appear from the ground underneath me so that I'm just sitting It says it has to appear in an unoccupied space. (laughs) No! Ah, fuck it. It appears underneath her. She gets... She's on a horse. DM rules. She is Just, now screaming. Yeah. She is now screaming aboard this Victoria, horse. you're standing there screaming, and you just, like, suddenly raise up, like, five feet in the air. Uh, oh, my Great. So, um, so, Victoria is now on a horse, secure with saddle, bridle, all that yeah. jazz. Um, and then um, I am going to... Victoria's in an Old Spice commercial. <laughs> Look at me. Look at your man. <laughs> look at the horse. <laughs> look at me. I'm on a horse. <laughs> look at the laptop. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> from screaming to Old Spice commercial. <laughs> and then um, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to run up to Fabric and try to get this blob off of them. That would be Falsum. Falsum is the only one left. Falsum. With okay, great. The, I'm going to... Then Falsum. I'm going to get the blob off of Falsum. Sure. Roll me a, a, an athletics check. Um, That's going to be an 11. That is not going to pass. You're pulling on Falsum's arm, uh, but this ooze like wraps around it and starts to pull it back in. My hope is that like while as I'm running in that direction, I can like kick the healing potion over towards Whoopi so that they at least notice it's on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Whoopi! Oh my god. Make me Even if my foot just bumps it so she realizes it's there. Make me another athletics check at disadvantage. You're doing a lot of stuff right now, okay? Brian is not the most hand-eye coordinated man. Clearly, because he just rolled a two. Oh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you step, you go to kick it, but you accidentally step on it, and you accidually no! kick it, like, further away. Oh, I thought you were going to say I broke <laughs> it. Like, it does the thing where it, like, pressure. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, because you were trying to get Falsum out, uh, he'll have advantage on his next uh, check to try and get out. Great. That will bring us to Crossbow Guy. And he's gonna see all this happening. He's like, "This is this is all this is all falling apart. This this was this was horribly planned. What were we thinking?" And you just hear like you hear like the invisible Chester from way behind. Says, shut up! Shut up! Just get it back. Um, and this one uh is gonna cast Charm Person on Victoria. Victoria, I need you to make me a Wisdom saving throw. That's a ten. Victoria, you are currently charmed by this. Oh, I have advantage against being charmed. That's right. You do. Um, so that's actually a 15. Okay. Uh, yeah. You look at this. You look at this, uh, this. This person like pulls their hood back. And for like a split second. Have you guys seen? You guys seen the like the clip from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs when he's putting the glasses yes. on for the first time? <laughs> it's that. Where like it's when it's all blurry. He has like this huge chin and just like this super hot guy. And then he puts it on. He's like, <laughs> it's exactly that. Like you turn and you see it for a second. And then it comes into sharp focus. You're like, oh, no, no, actually not. That's an 
Amazing reference. So that is going to fail, but uh, cool. the invisible guy. Chester. He's going to. Uh, up on the horse. He's going to leap up and try and stab you on the horse. He's going to lash out with his dagger. First attack is going to miss. Second attack is going to miss. Uh, Chester is very <laughs> short. You hear like this thud next to you as like he's trying to like scramble up onto this horse. She like she like looks. She's like look. She's holding the, the laptop and she just in all directions is flipping things off. Okay, okay. Now now you're just I don't being know rude. where you are. Now you're just being rude. <laughs> um, that is going to bring us to Cecil's turn. Awesome. I'm gonna bonus action healing word on Wendy. Okay. And then as another action, I'm gonna pull another animal for my kecky bag of tricks. Okay. A giant Gandalf <gasps> Jesus Christ. joins the party. That's amazing. That's actually beautiful. I don't think I've ever specified this. How exactly does like your pulling from this khaki bag of tricks like turn into these animals? How exactly does that work? I think I just pull like a little, like imagine you're pulling a little fruit gummy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I like, I just crush it. And as I toss it out into the air, it just kind of like unfolds upon itself. Oh my gosh. And becomes like a, a sentient creature. Very good. It's like a Scooby snack. I'm grabbing a bunch of Scooby snacks. Incredible. I'm going to turn to Gandalf and, and I'm going to say, Tango. Uh, and then I'm going to make my way over to Falsum, who is still trapped in the ooze. <laughs> Gandalf is like pawing at the ground and about to charge into Brad. And then right after, uh, both Gandalf and Gumbo. I'm going to have Gumbo attack first. Okay. And then Gandalf is going to make a charge attack with the intent to hopefully try and knock Brad off of the bridge. Ooh, yeah. So Gumbo is going to make two attacks first. That's a nat 20. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Let's fucking go. That's a nat 20 for the, for the bite attack. The golden boy of D and D returns for another round. That was almost another nat 20, Good. but said that's going to be an 18 to hit for the, that for will the hit. second attack. Okay, perfect. So for the first attack, that's going to be max damage. Jesus. That's 20 points of piercing damage oh for the first attack. Oh my god. And then that's 10 points of slashing damage for the second attack. Okay. And then Gandalf is going to make a 20-foot straight charge attack <laughs> and use a ram attack. Okay. My whole next move is totally invalid if this works. <laughs> that's a 21 to hit. That's It's not going to do a lot of damage. Get him out of um, here. That's only four points of bludgeoning damage. But Brad does need to make a strength saving throw. Strength boy. saving oh, throw. He's a big boy. Okay. Oh, boy. That is a 14. 14 will save. Unless okay. you consider that the DC for a medium-sized goat is 10. What would you consider the DC for a large goat to be? 15. Easy. You know, you know. roll me a D6, and we'll okay. see what Gandalf gets added to this DC. I was, I was actually thinking about this. Could we take, like, my druid level and then add that to the DC? Which would make it 14, because otherwise I rolled a 6. <gasps> but if you do a 14, then Brad does save. Uh, I like the idea of Brad not saving and you rolling a 16. <laughs> Because uh, that's way more. That's okay. way more interesting. Like to build up all this and be like, I could have gotten it, but actually, we're gonna do it this board way, and it's not gonna happen. No, fuck that. Moving on from now, I kind of like that. We'll figure out a system for it for sure. For sure. But for now, we'll play it fast and loose. 
Sure, yeah. So like, so Gumbo <laughs> takes the like huge, like the most massive chomp out of out of Brad's like thigh, uh-huh. and then takes a big old uppercut and just like like punches the shit out of his jaw, and then Gandalf, a like eight foot tall goat, this <laughs> horrifying tag team comes charging right into the side uh-huh. and is trying to knock Brad clean off the bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does the thing where he slides off like right, like yeah. completely horizontal. His feet like paddle in the air for a second, then he falls. Full roadrunner. Yeah, he gets knocked off of the bridge. uh, But you actually see as he does, he looks like he's still got like some fight and some energy left in him. But this purple mist starts to swirl and his eyes widen and it kind of like starts to constrict in on him. And you see his size shrink back to what it originally was. And then he disappears in a purple mist. What the fuck? What? Um, make me an either insight or arcana check. That's a nat 20 for Jesus a 29 Christ. total. I fucking hate you. <laughs> I, I just, hate you so Riley, much. If it makes you feel better, I did a deal with the devil before this in which I gave all of my <laughs> dice rolls to Brandon behind yes. the scenes. Wow. <laughs> so Hey, I'm just saying that that was my first dice set that I ever got. I have a, I have a bunch now, but I'm using the first dice set that I ever got. So it's I don't fucking care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I don't give a it's shit about your emotional connection eyes. to the dice. <laughs> Fuck that. I hate you. Oh, cards. Um, yeah, Cecil, as you watch this happen, you notice that as he disappears in this purple mist, for like a second, he kind of like flickers. And it almost seems like this body was almost like a solidified projection of this guy. But you also see that as he's disappearing, like you get the sense that it was almost like he used like a like a drug for like a quick burst of strength. It was kind of like a one and done sort of thing. Uh, yeah, interesting. interesting. Okay, so that's kind of what you gather from that, um, from your fucking nat twenty with my oh my first set of dice. Fuck you, <laughs> Victoria. That's your turn. <laughs> Who hurt you, Riley? The dice. The dice hurt me, and Brandon me, hurt I, me. I, I Brandon hurt, hurt I me <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> something i feel like sharing um because this is just like this is such a cool fun fact so um with phantom steed for the duration you or creature you choose can ride the steed thank you brian Uh, the creature uses the creature uses the statistics for a riding horse except it has a speed of 100 feet are you fucking yeah, kidding me? So, um, she just like, uh, like again, one handed doesn't grab the bridle, straight up grabs the mane, and just takes off with this thing across the fucking bridge. And she's going to try and swoop up Wendy Willa with her on the back of the horse. Do some trick riding shit. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll say make me an athletics check. Um, I'll say with advantage because you okay. are you, you're horse. used to horse riding. Okay, so athletics me, with advantage. Mm-hmm. I rolled two fifteens. Um, okay, so that's going to be a nineteen. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we thought that Victoria's glow up into a cowgirl <laughs> was was finished, but we were far from <laughs> correct. Uh, Victoria riding a fucking horse with her cowboy hat and her duster flies by, scoops up a damsel in distress, and plops her on the back of her horse uh, and just books it. <laughs> Danielle, I love you so much for the horse. Thank you. <laughs> 
Hey, well, thanks for the horse. Thanks for the horse. <laughs> you know, for all the reasons I've ever been told that someone loves me, that's a first. <laughs> that's. <laughs> and then I'm going to ride, but I want to get about a block away and look at Wendy. Hang on to this for me. Keep it safe. Ew. I'm going to put the laptop in my na- in my backpack, give that to her, wink, and I'm going to hop off the horse and and the, wait for my next turn. <laughs> uh, if this horse, if this horse gets Victoria laid, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> in Wendy's eyes, she sees like an after image of a sunset right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> the duster blows. She's got the like the brim of the hat's kind of low. She put she tucks away the laptop and then immediately pulls out her notepad and starts scribbling furiously <laughs> with like a beet red face. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, uh, that will bring us to the oozes. Um, one ooze is no longer uh, occupied with Wendy. <laughs> Willa. And you see that these things seem to be like almost kind of mindless as it's lost its connection to Wendy and like it doesn't have anything in front of it. It just kind of like seeps through the cracks of the cobblestone and just like drips into the river and just kind of flows away. <laughs> but another one of them still is holding Falsum. And so Falsum's going to make a constitution saving throw. Falsum passes. He is going to take six more damage. And Fabric does a little bit more damage to this ooze that he's fighting. But it is also going to retaliate and attack him. So this ooze is going to lash out with a pseudopod. Smack him across the face. Roll the natural 20. Takes eight bludgeoning damage and eight fire damage and fabric does fall unconscious no. and Falsum is going to try and break out of this he will have advantage because uh brian was helping him that didn't work that did uh Falsum breaks free of this ooze that will bring us to brian uh, i'm gonna cast cure wounds on fabric very good roll me some healing that's seven Okay, he is conscious once more. That is going to bring us to the crossbow guy. You see him, like, he's been, like, muttering to himself, and he's been, like, so frustrated and annoyed at how this plan has not been working out. Um, And you see his pendant start to glow, and it turns black. Fucking, this wasn't going to work. This was horribly planned. Chester didn't plan any of this. Brad just ran off and fucking left me to just clean up the mess. God, fuck! And you see this burst of energy flood out from him. I cast Counterspell. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is a fifth level spell, so you will need to roll for this. Okay. It's worked for me so far today, so that's great. I'm going to go ahead and say this is an area of effect spell, so this is technically supposed to affect multiple people, but if you pass this, I will say that it counters the spell and it keeps this from happening. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah, are, are you using Counterspell or are you using your spell Steel Shield? Yeah, I'm going to use my spell steel shield. Okay. Yes, if the spell is level third or higher, you must pass an intelligence saving throw DC 12 plus the spell's level. So you'll need to pass an intelligence saving throw of 17. I will say if you fail the saving throw, the spell rebounds and you take you will take 5d6 of force damage in addition to the damage done from the spell. Okay. All right. Here we go. Oh, my God. It's a 14. That is going to fail. This wave of negative energy shoots out from this guy and you try and bring up your 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 shield 
and it starts to absorb some of it, but you have not really gotten a chance to properly utilize this. This is kind of your first time ever wielding it in this capacity, and it like it's starting to suck it in, and then it just starts to rattle and shake, and it like flings your arm up and almost like like yanks your shoulder out of its socket, and it just explodes out of it uh, and you are going to take I'm still wearing all my clothes <laughs> first you will take 18 force damage and then okay. uh, <clears throat> no this is a is negative a energy flood no uh, let me Ooh, interesting um Everybody needs to make me a constitution saving throw. Except me. Uh, yeah, so Victoria, you were not in range of this. So everyone except for Victoria needs to make a constitution saving throw. Um, that's a 13 for Cecil. I'm going to roll for Gumbo and Gandalf as well. It's, uh, you know, it's bad news bears. Uh, DM's mean now. Uh, your friends are also going to have to make saving throws. Yeah. Uh, Gumbo rolled a natural one. And Gandalf rolls 19. Dirty 20, and all friendly creatures within a 10 feet of me get a plus 3 to saving throws. Okay, so that actually uh, helps, because uh, that makes Falsum's a 13, which is a little bit over what he needed to pass. Um, Fabric also failed with a natural 1. So, uh, this is going to be 5d12 necrotic damage. Hi, everyone. It was nice knowing you. You said at the top of this podcast that you're ready to yeah, talk. Anytime. Whenever. Anytime. And I just I just want you to know that like I don't always use the special items that Riley gives us and then like it you know, it's trying to be supportive. That is thirty necrotic damage. Okay, we're okay. So half is fifteen. I'm looking perfectly fine right now. I'm A okay. Unfortunately, fabric is not. You guys see this wave of dark, dark energy spread out, uh, and fabric is hit by it. <gasps> Clutches his heart and crumples to the ground as he is flooded with this negative necrotic energy, and fabric is dead. As this guy uses this, uh, he also, in a similar fashion to Brad, this mist comes out of this pendant, swirls around him, and he kind of flickers for a second, and then he's gone. That would bring us to Chester's turn, but nothing happens on his turn. He's still invisible, right? Yes. And you guys are now effectively out of combat. You see now uh, Falsum that he's kind of recovered is like kneeling next to Fabric, trying to do some kind of first aid, um, but he looks up and just kind of like, Shakes his head. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kneel on the ground and uh, cradle Fabric's head. Mm-hmm. Um, can I assess the wounds? Uh, yeah, you can make me a medicine check. Yeah. Um, that is a twenty-two. Twenty-two. You, I mean, you see, there is like scarring from uh, like fire fire damage that he took and again he's very pale from all that life force that was taken but it looks like what really did him in was that attack at the very end that uh, seems to have had more of like an internal not even like internal organs but like soul level internal damage 
and you are like cradling him and holding him close. And as you are like nearing his face and kind of inspecting it, you see <laughs> the spectral image of fabric rise up and he goes, ah, oh, ah, oh, God. Oh, ah. oh, God, I'm dead. <laughs> Hi. And you see that fab- fabric has uh, fabric is now a ghost. <laughs> I oh what what happened? Uh, you got blasted by like a shit ton of dark energy, my guy. Oh god. Um, <laughs> that looked like it hurt. I were you ready for that? Are you? I I mean, d- I, strange question. Are you? Re- <laughs> I I I mean, I don't really think I have much of a choice at this point, you know. But I don't know. I mean, I could. I can give you a choice. What? I, I, I don't know. If you weren't ready to go, I can give you a second shot. Well, I mean. We can roll the dice. We can, we, uh, we can, we can. I mean, you know. We can keep the, we can keep this going if you want. I mean. I mean, you know, I don't think anyone's ever really ready to go, but I, I don't know with like these circumstances. And, and as he says this, he looks past you, Cecil, and uh, you see Needle, who has come to see exactly what the commotion is, this elven wraith. Um, this spirit that um has been married to this dwarven man uh and returned to him even in death, and you see him lock eyes with her, and like there's kind of just this look of automatic knowing and connection, and he gets a small smile and gives like a nod, and he goes no no i i I think I am ready, okay, well, if in the next ten days you change your mind, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep that, uh, keep that under advisement. No, a lot of lesser people would have, uh, would have been really squeamish about that kind of thing, but you seem to have weathered it pretty well. So, uh, I don't know. Well, you know, it's, it's easy to weather the unexpected with the, uh, the right person at your side. That's true. I remember when I died. Okay, you can nice you can just uh, all right. Uh, you know, <laughs> Cecil, it's been really nice catching up with you. I think I'm gonna go. I think we're gonna go spend some time with my my wife now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, you're good. You're okay, right. <laughs> yeah, you you turn around. Needle's been like standing right over your shoulder this entire time. How how are Wendy and Falsum looking? Wendy's basically back to full health, and Falsum is still kind of recovering from some wounds. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him another real quick cure wounds. Okay. just to. Uh, he's like, oh, that I oh, I, I appreciate that. Actually, I think I. I, I should be able to manage myself. And he pulls out some herbs and uh, kind of crushes them, and he he does his own kind of cure wound spell on himself. Okay, good. He goes, I, I appreciate that, though. So V has been just watching and waiting. She was ready to, like, bamf back in. Yeah. But she sees she sees the big guy go poof, and she sees the other guy go. <laughs> <laughs> and she's that's it, And that, that's exactly the sound effects that happen. <laughs> and then... She'll uh she'll hop back up on the horse. Um, Wendy has filled in like seven uh-huh. pages at this point. <laughs> she started writing even faster when like the undead reunion between Fabric and Needle happened. Oh yeah! Oh my oh, god! Yeah, oh my absolutely. god! She's like crying. So he kind of just like trots back over to the group. The victorious cowboy <laughs> with the damsel. The victorious <laughs> cowboy. <laughs> I hate it. You line him up, I knock him down. Brian, are are you okay? You took a. I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I'm doing all right. Wow. Uh, good job, Victoria, getting that back. That was that, uh, that 
fuck were those guys? I swear, I, I swear I've they... seen them around the halls or something. Yeah, like Listen, I... I spent a lot of time in the locker room, and I definitely saw a couple of those faces. That was weird. I... Oh, my God. What? Oh, no. I know who Chester is. Oh, God. I was in a class with him. Oh, I thought you were going to say he was, like, your oh. boyfriend or something. No, no. He was in my creative writing class, and he wrote really cringy shit. I'm talking, like incel manifesto like Ooh. adjacent Ooh, that's rough Ugh. cecil as as she says this you also get a memory of this like this name chester because you didn't get quite kind of quite a good look at him but when you hear that he was in a class with victoria you remember there's a guy in your grade named chester that is the spot below you in the class rankings oh <gasps> oh <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> and it's gonna stay that way, buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian, you don't know who Chester is. You've no. never met this guy. <laughs> no clue. I thought you were about to be like, Brian, Chester was invited to your tenth birthday and then <laughs> Oh damn it! Damn times. it! <laughs> oh I missed it. I missed it. See that's that's okay. That's what separates we'll get on me one. from the pros, you know, like that's top level improv <laughs> yeah. right there. I was just thinking rule of three, like build up a joke and then be like, oh, subvert expectations. But no, that's the callback to the, oh, damn it. Murph would be ashamed, Riley. (laughs) Cue an 80s training montage of just me like working on improv. Yeah. In the mirror. Yes, and, yes, and, yes, and. (laughs) But I don't like what that suggests. I mean, we were all kids from our school. I mean, that's, you, you know what that. I don't even want to think about what that means. The door that that opens is, yeah, I don't want to think about that. I... They, they, they flickered like a light going out. So, so that there's, there's every chance that those weren't really them. But I mean, if it wasn't their physical self, which doesn't look like it, it looked like it was some sort of magical projection, but that could still mean that their mental faculties are being uh, coerced. Or they chose. I, I, I fully believe that the counselor could coerce people into doing things, but there's also a chance that they're just kind of dumb and bought it, you know, and, and went, yeah, sure. Or at least at the start, those who are willing to choose, he's willing to let be fodder. And then those who are more persistent, I don't want to think about what he would do to... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter right now. Guys, I'm just... I'm really... I'm really worried. I don't really want to see anybody else that we know underneath one of those hoods. I know, Brian. Okay, let's get out of here. Who's got the map to to Flutterfield? Because we're that that's the next place that we're headed, right? We're heading to Flutterfield. Uh, v has rolled out the rough version of it from the mural on the ceiling of the theater, so she has it all mapped out in in her journal. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say traveling to Flutterfield it's a bit farther than how y'all have usually been traveling so it's probably going to be about 3 days travel. Okay. But I don't want to go through the process of random encounters cuz that's just fucking boring. Thank uh you. so if there's if there's things you want to do, plans you want to enact, conversations you want to have, uh you can just kind of do them as we just kind of montage these 3 days of travel. Amazing. First thing Victoria would like to do take all of our phones, Brian's, to begin with. She's going to take that contraption. Brian's not sure he wants to give it to you. It's going to charge your phone. 
Okay, Brian gives it to you. <laughs> she takes that contraption from from Walter, and she gets it all engineered and hooked up, and and she's gonna charge their phones one by one. Yeah, that I mean, simple enough. That you you get that done probably in that first like evening of travel before you guys kind of set up camp. Awesome. I think like as part of the montage or what have you, like as we're traveling across these days, you know, every time we go through a camping moment, there's always kind of this moment that you know Brian takes, kind of staring at the the sunset at night and just kind of you know checking in with himself and he typically casts alarm at the door of the van for where they're staying once everybody's like in for the night and kind of ready to keep going it's just kind of part of his his nightly ritual that he's been doing um i am definitely going to spend a decent amount of time taking some of that wood and i'm going to use my wood carver's tools and i'm going to create an ornate uh carving of a dragon kind of curling in on itself and i'm going to uh take that crystal that um or that that gemstone that i got what did i get i forget what i got Uh, you got an agate and you got a black pearl Mm. yes god i'm good at this (laughs) i'm gonna take the agate and i'm gonna put it in the draconic wood Mm -hmm. piece of wood yep um and then i'm gonna try and find a way to fix it to my little bandolier yeah cool probably on like the first full day of travel um, while Brian or Victoria drives, uh, you kind of sit in the back and do some whittling. It probably takes pr- probably like an hour or two to really get it solid. Um, so yeah, yeah. you get a, a very ornately carved dragon. Are you like affixing the gem like on top of it or like into it? What is into it? So okay. it's going to be kind of like in its mouth. Yeah. Enclosed. Mm. Yeah. Ah. Gotcha. Yeah. Or it's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be like clutching it. Oh cool. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You sort of craft this, this fey wood that Victoria killed with her story. You craft it around, uh, encircling, <laughs> encircling this agate. Uh, and it's kind of like clutching it at the top. Awesome. Um, and then additionally, I would like to use my herbalism kit and I would like to prepare my two batches of gaseous potion. Mm-hmm. And then, my two batches of uh, flammable potion as well. Very cool. Uh, all right. You will roll a crafting check, which will be your wisdom modifier plus your proficiency bonus. Gotcha. For the fire that you're trying to work with, uh, the DC is going to be 13. And then for the gas, uh, it'll be 15. Okay. So for the fire, 19. That'll pass. And then a th- Three on the die. Okay. So, so yeah, the second one you do not pass. Yes. So I'll roll again for another gas potion. Okay. That's a nat twenty. That'll work. Nice. You know, I'll say with that you can salvage the ones from the fire potion. You can try that one again. Okay. Sweet. Awesome. Sixteen for that. That'll pass. Then for the last fire potion. Uh, it's a sixteen. All right. You now have two potions of alchemical fire, uh, which nice. do two d10 fire damage upon uh, either being thrown or being poured onto something. You also have two vials of uh, smoke powder. Basically, you can throw it and it will poof around uh, and it will obscure everything in a 20 foot radius for two d4 rounds. So basically anything that is done in there that requires sight will be done at disadvantage. Hell, yeah. I'm also going to put into another spare bottle portion of my cup of grease. Okay. And I'm just going to start affixing all of these to my bandolier. All right. Yeah. Uh, you get set up and yeah, you have like a like a mini Breaking Bad episode in the back of this van with all of yeah, your yeah. various uh, materials and bottles and vials <laughs> while Victoria and Brian are at the front. Uh, you guys you guys hear uh, some like hissing and, uh, and fizzles <laughs> in, in the back and a little pfft 
a little explosion every now and then. Uh, but yeah, Cecil, you craft two of each of these items. You also set to work on your bandolier and you kind of have, you now have like multiple little pockets uh, for your various components and such. Um, and uh, that is, uh, that that probably mostly takes place on uh, that first day of travel. Uh, is there anything any of y'all want to do on the second day of travel or just keep on driving? I spy with my little. <laughs> uh, you do see another one of those uh, those suckies buildings uh, that you passed. Uh, um, <laughs> That's right. That last time you see so. another one. That's the callback we needed. You you it's gotten to the point where you like as you're driving you just keep seeing uh, you just keep seeing billboards that are like sixty five miles, one hundred fifty yeah. miles to the best blood in Forgotten Fields. Um, but you guys uh, make good distance and uh, set up camp again for the second night. Okay. Um, so V has something she'd like to try that second evening. Okay. Um, Brian? Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to try something, but only with your permission. Yeah, that, that never goes well for me. What are, what are you thinking? I have this idea for a spell that can let people see other people at the same time. You can't communicate. You can just see them. You can hear them. It's like a like a two way mirror. Yeah, I think it'll work. Do you want to know or do you not want? I to have know? to. I have to know, Victoria. Okay. 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 Um, do you have a picture of her on your phone? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a picture of her from her. Um. Yeah. From her middle school graduation. Okay. Um. The. I think at one point or another, uh, and you tell me, Riley, like, was there like a glass coaster or something at some point that she could have swiped from somewhere? Uh, yeah, we can say you grabbed one okay. from like Clear's, okay. from like Clear's Crystal. There, yeah, actu- yeah, actually, as you guys left, there was like a complimentary one in your bag with all the stuff you bought <laughs> since, since you spent Perfect. so much with Cassie. Yeah. So what she's going to do, she's going to take that little piece. She's going to take out a bottle of ink and she's going to reach her hand out for Brian's phone. Brian shows her the picture. Gives her the phone. Brian, what is the what is the picture? It's a picture of Jenny from her um from our middle school graduation. She was real stressed about the fact that the curl wouldn't stay in her hair under the cap, and so she looks slightly upset in the picture. But um, she's trying to <laughs> she's trying to situate the graduation cap on her on her head. And what is what exactly does Jenny look like? She has this. Um, kind of, I think a lot of people would describe it as strawberry blonde in the right light, um, but it's like shorter shoulder length hair. She has these blue eyes that I think on some days they're like, they're like bright blue. And this was a day when her eyes were so, they popped so blue. And she has this, it's, um, it's a graduation, um, uniform that on most kids would probably fit the average, you know, eighth grade student. And some kids might be a little bit short, but Jenny's swimming in it. And part of the the problem is that like her grad cap is too big for her head. And with the curls, it's it's not helping her hold the shape of the hairstyle to the top of her head. And so it's actually like covering up her curls for her shoulder length hair. She normally has really straight hair, but in this picture, it's curly. Um, and she has freckles like just over her cheeks and then up the bridge of her nose a little bit higher onto her forehead than most people. Okay. This is a great picture of her, Brian. Thanks. She's she's mad in this one, but but it's it's the best one. <laughs> I can tell she's a little. <laughs> I was never really good with figuring out her hair. 
You did her hair for her graduation. No, she actually did this. Um, I'm not allowed to touch her hair anymore. <laughs> okay. So she's going to keep the picture of, of Jenny up and put the phone down. And then she takes kind of the glass piece, puts it over top. And you see her pull the, the pen from behind her ear and, and kind of flick it. And it turns into a quill. And she'll take the bottle of ink. She'll dip the quill in it. But she's going to splatter the, the ink from the quill onto the glass. And you kind of see her hands move. And the ink begins to take form. The same form of the picture of Jenny that's currently being seen. But then it spreads out so wide and thin that it's like looking in a two-way mirror. And she's going to cast Scry. Okay. So the scrying spell with a picture of the person. Um, and with also Brian knowing the person, which also helps. Brian is not casting the spell. You are casting the spell. Okay. I will say with this information from Brian, that will help a little bit. Um, okay. Technically, your knowledge is secondhand, so she would get a plus five to the save. I'll say with Brian's information, uh, it'll just be a plus three. Uh, and since you have a likeness and picture of her, that is another minus two. So she will have a plus one to the save in addition to her wisdom, which I'll go ahead and tell you guys is a plus five. What is your save, Victoria? A wisdom save of 16. So she would have to roll. Oh, wow. She would have to roll a nine or lower. Yeah. If she rolls a 10 or higher, she will pass. If she rolls a nine or lower, she will fail. Uh, I have a dice roller pulled up right now, and I'm going to share my screen with you guys. I'm going to roll in front of the table. I'm going to cry. She rolled an 11. Plus 6 is a 17. So unfortunately, you cast this spell, and for a split second, you almost see the silhouetted outline of this face. And then the image drifts apart, and the spell fails. She's there. She just... I couldn't get through. It's okay. But I can do this every day. No, it's okay. It's still my plan. I'm going to try every day, Brian. That's really nice. Thank you. Of course. I want to get home, but this is bigger than home now. Yeah. I'd do just about anything for you guys. But I'm going to try again tomorrow, whenever you ask. Okay. So... If you've got more pictures of her, yeah, I'll make a I'll make a folder. I I have video too. I, I have video. Wait, I'm gonna try one more thing. I'm gonna try one more thing. We we can't see her, but I might be able to talk to her. You wouldn't be able to, but I I can. She won't she won't know me, but I'll I'll let her know who who I am. Oh, let me try this. She's gonna take the ear cuff and she turns it around to the backside and. You see within all of those little metal pieces and gears, she twists the gear and puts it back on her ear, and she's going to cast her once a day, sending. Okay. It's 25 words, right? That's correct. I'm sorry to startle you. I'm Brian's friend. He loves you, and he needs to know if you're okay. We are coming to get you. Damn. 
right at 25. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah. The quill activates and like almost like a word bubble grows this ink uh, that you speak into and it shrinks down and shoots off in the air. You can't really see what direction it goes to or anything, but um, you guys kind of sit around there for a few minutes after sending this and you guys are kind of starting to like pack it in for the night and Victoria, you see another ink bubble come back. It goes like into her ear cuff. She takes it off. She flicks it again, like trying to flick ink out of a pen, and it mm-hmm. displays. And they can see just this magical response in the air. <gasps> I'm fine. That's it. Oh. Riley, ow. <laughs> Joey says she's fine. She may have needed to be brief. She always says she's fine. We'll never know. Until we know. Is there anything else you guys want to do for the night? B wants to excuse herself a bit and take out her journal. She's filled this journal quite full on their travels. But she flips a couple of pages, leaves them blank. She's continuing something, but she starts something new. And she starts writing. Until she falls asleep. Okay. You guys all pack it in for the night and drift off to sleep. And you wake the next morning. Break camp and uh, pile into the car. And um, you look up and you didn't realize in the darkness of the night, uh, but you were right in front of a billboard that just says, best bathroom break right ahead. Um <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you guys keep driving forward. Stupid suckies. <laughs> but like, I kind of want like a suckies plushie and like a sucky. Oh slushy? my god! Wait, 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 wait! You guys, okay? You guys have all been to Bucky's, right? Yeah, yeah. You know how they have Bucky's nuts? <laughs> suckies nuts. <laughs> That would be a okay, but like that's funny, right, guys? <laughs> <When you're... laughs> it's hilarious, <mind>. Victoria. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that would be great. It was That'd the desperate. Great. Why aren't you laughing for me? <laughs> um, you guys continue on, and uh, as you drive further into the morning, uh, you start to notice that the land is becoming slightly more coastal. You are starting to see that you are like within reach of some sort of ocean. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You, you think you might be on Island time now. Uh, As is becoming more coastal. um, You also see that it is becoming a bit foggier and you are continuing onward. And uh, probably about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, you reach a point where, the fog is so dense, you can barely see in front of the van. Wow. You guys kind of reach the point where you're like, we can't drive safely at this point. But then you start to feel like a kind of rumbling of the van. And you look behind and see 
you're not quite sure, but it appears to be like a 15 to 20 foot tall vehicle that is barreling towards you guys. Uh, what do you do? I, I, uh, are we in the um, van? We're out of the van? van? You're still in the van. You are still in the van, but you appear to be directly in this thing. We're swerving. Path. We're swerving. But we're off the road. I'm hitting the acceleration and I'm skirt. <laughs> I'm saying hit the brake. What? Why? Hit the brake. And what? Trust me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to reach my hand out the door. Uh-huh. Victoria, it's now or never. You got to hit the brake. I do. I hit the brake. I slam on it. As soon as she does that, I'm going to cast Stone Shape. Uh-oh. Okay. And what does Stone Shape do? So I am going to put my hand on the ground, and I am going to try and create a ramp behind us. Oh, okay. So you're trying to make a ramp for whatever this vehicle is. To go up and over is. us. Yeah. To, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Because uh, as you reach out, you see that like whatever ground you're on right now is, appears to be like some kind of cement. Hell yeah. I touch my hand to the ground, and immediately behind us, a ramp begins like... <laughs> okay. Rising up out of the ground. Like the horse. Yeah. <laughs> Just under... Yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Victoria, you slam on the brakes as this thing is yeah. getting closer and closer and closer. It's probably like 10 feet from you guys careening towards you. It appears like they do not see you at all because they are also in fog right now. Um, and you hit the brakes, and the second you guys come to a stop, Cecil, you reach out, touch the ground, and <laughs> enormous ramp erupts from the ground. Like You guys look in the rearview mirror, and it basically looks like just a blackout just happened us. right behind yeah. you guys, like right next to you guys. And whatever this vehicle is takes off of the ramp, and it keeps going. Uh, it Thank appears God. to be some kind of flying contraption. What? And it is like... We are in Margaritaville. You see it? <laughs> you it's see it kind of Jimmy like... Buffett's plane! It's a flying time machine. You you can see from behind because like there are kind of explosions and pops and like lights from behind it. And it is like going and going. And then it starts to kind of like tilt and swerve. And then it just tilts off to the side. And you see it just swerve off and crash into the ocean. Uh... <laughs> It appears whatever this was was not going to fly very well. Um, it looked like it was intended to do it, but it wasn't built very well. And you guys gather yourselves and fall out of the van after this ridiculous experience. I, yeah, I think V would jump out to like look. How far into the ocean did they go? Yeah, uh, it's maybe like maybe like five hundred feet off of the coast because uh, you go to follow this and sort of see, and you're like peering through the fog, and you see that. You guys are actually, you're pretty close to the edge of the coastline. Yeah. Like, you're kind of on, like, a cliff at this point. V's going to take off her shotgun and just look through the scope and try to, like, see who slash what that was. Okay. Roll me a d4. A three. A three. All right. You see from, like, what appears to be the cockpit of this of this thing, uh-huh. a very, very dark gray skinned female climbs out and she appears to have like strange markings on her face almost like not quite like discolored skin uh but there appears to be like a crescent around like one eye that's just like splotches around her um and she has like this bright blue hair and you also see horns that are curling up out of her hair she climbs out and you can see her kind of like kicking the cockpit and she's holding uh-huh. you can't quite see it but she sees, she appears to be holding something in her hand do we think that's friend or foe do we care keep driving i'm assuming she's a local of some sort all right 
Is, does she look like she's going to drown in the ocean? Does it matter? No, she appears to be okay. There appears to be like flotation devices and stuff. And as you were looking at this, you hear like this fluttering of wings behind you. <laughs> and you look around and you see like a two foot tall pigeon land on the hood of the car. You see it kind of like look up, kind of squint and hold its hand over its eyes. Ah, bad flight, that one. Didn't seem to work out quite well. It's tough. Do we need to help them? Oh, hi. Uh, didn't even see you there. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> about that. This like, again, like this two foot tall pigeon with like bright orange feathers uh, turns around and it's got like a, it's kind of got like a cloak on. Okay. He goes, ah, no, don't, don't worry about her. She'll be fine. She's just trying out a, trying out another uh, flight machine. Not quite working too well. Not with all this fog. Uh, yeah, it's tough, but she'll be all right. Are you guys uh, new to town? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um... Well, not quite the uh, typical fare around here. Been a bit strange the uh, past few weeks, but um, welcome to Flutterfield. Thank, thank you. <laughs> and with that, class is dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> that really got me, Brandon. Hall and Dragons is Andy Lindsay as Victoria Hightower, Danielle Grisco as Brian Tolkien, Brandon Lindsay as Cecil McNamara, and myself, Riley Wesson, as your DM. Thanks so much for listening to this session of D Hall and Dragons. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love to see a five-star review from you on whatever platform you're listening, and we would love it even more if you could share this show with a friend. Our theme music is Sonic Pogo by Vans in Japan. Other music can be found in the episode description. And our artwork is, as always, done by the incredibly talented Carlina Alvarez. Link to her stuff will be in the description as well. Check it out. I promise you won't regret it. Until next time, summer is unfortunately coming to a close and the school year will be beginning soon. Take this time to look back on the summer that you had, the fun times, the memories that you made, and, uh... Look forward to what the rest of this year's got to bring. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next session. I still have 560 gold. That's that's not enough wow. for a giant... An astral plane auction. Makes me so angry. He says, 500 gold. <laughs> So angry. Listen, I'll sell my body. Jesus Christ. No one's going to want to buy that. <laughs> I don't know. There might be some little uh, uh, fantasy creature who's like into it. <laughs> into Cecil. Really just into Cecil. I have 680 gold. You know, this is dark. And if I were, uh, if I ran like a really dark campaign, I would like, you know, play on this. But I bet druids go for really high prices on the black market because people are into some weird shit. Yeah, because they can shape shift. Being able to wild shape and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I bet that that's <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> Sorry, your definition of people are into some weird shit is very different than my definition <laughs> of people are into some weird shit. <laughs> well, fantasy people are into some weird shit, you know? Different kinks for different planes. <laughs> <laughs>